This episode is brought to you by Zeratech Software Development. Are you a company whose commitment to excellence demands effective software tools? Let the team at Zeratech Software Development help build or enhance your technological systems with mobile, web, and backend solutions. You can find them at zeratech.com. That's X-E-R-A-T-E-C.com. Hey guys, today on the podcast, I sat down and chatted with Clayton San. Clayton is a super passionate runner. He started running fairly young, which you get into this story, the backstory of how that started. Uh, eventually competed at a in the middle school, high school, now at Michigan Tech here in Houghton, Michigan, uh, and competes on a, on a high level, right? He's shooting for some pretty impressive times, which we get into a lot of that as well. Uh, so it's fun to hear about what that has meant for him, how he got into that and what some of the uh, future goals and aspirations that he has within that world. So I enjoyed this one. I hope you guys do also. Welcome to the obsessed podcast. I'm your host, Logan Herkus. In this podcast, we get to meet and hear from folks who are obsessed with a wide array of interesting endeavors. We dive into some awesome stories and look at the mindsets and the psychology of those who are obsessed. Let's go. Clayton, thanks for coming in today. Yeah, anytime. anytime. Yeah. <laughs> Here to talk about your world of running, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and again, I like to do this a lot is take you back to the beginning and see what it's meant to you and where it's gone for you. What is running for you? Did it start out in middle school or something like that? Or what is, where has it began? You know, um, <clears throat> the more I think about it, uh, the more like the date, it kind of fluctuates, you know, when it started, but I'd probably have to say sometime when I was fifth or sixth grade, okay. uh, both my parents are kind of, they're loosely into running, uh, not so much competitively, but they both enjoy it. And, um, you know, growing up sometimes like they would go on runs and when I was real young, you know, it'd be hard to, you know, go with them just cause I was, you know, six, seven years old. But as I got older, you know, maybe around 10 or 11, I went on a couple of runs with them with my dad and my mom and, um, kind of started like, wow, that's, that's pretty cool. You know, I, I want to, you know, do this two mile run like faster to sound like the road by my house. And. Um, you know, one thing led to another and became into, you know, middle school track, uh, into high school track and cross country. And now, um, still just trying to be as fast as I can in, in college now. So probably mm -hmm. around, you know, 10, 10, 11 years old. Okay. I would say. So, but pre track, Hey, cause the track starts in what? Sixth grade typically? Uh, or? seventh grade was seventh my grade. first year. Okay. So pre track though, it was through your parents, their inspiration of you just saying, Hey, I'll take along and you, and you enjoyed something about it right off the bat. Yeah, um, I I remember it was a two mile run I did with my dad. We okay. did it in about I don't know probably sixteen minutes, and you know at the time I had no watch. I I didn't time it. I was just something I did, and he knew how long the distance was, but I didn't care at the mm -hmm. time. And I remember finishing. I was like, oh, you know that that wasn't that bad, you know, because at the time, you know, people because there's a stigma around running. It's just it's really hard mm -hmm. and it sucks. But you know, I when I finished, I was like, oh, that wasn't that bad. Like that wasn't horrible. Mm -hmm. And I remember one. He's like, all right dad how fast was that and he told me oh you know around 16 minutes or whatever it was and i remember thinking okay you know next time i want to see if i can do it faster you know just because that's like the first thing that my brain would go to right. and um you know i i don't didn't keep like track of how fast i did it you know when i was fifth or sixth grade but um yeah it was well prior to the spring of my seventh my middle school seventh grade track season where i started to enjoy running hmm. so i was yeah certainly before i started competing that i enjoyed the aspect of running right right do you remember what though was it the competitive side of you or you you liked seeing the times or you liked the feeling of it or do you remember what it was it was definitely just like the the able the ability to like see you know how you get faster okay you know, just the, the small increments that you'd make and um just like okay you know if i did it in 16 minutes that one day just all right see if i can do it in 15 or 15 and a half and just seeing like, all right, how basically just the root of it is, you know, how fast can I do it? Mm -hmm. And that was well before I even knew like, you know, what certain distances I'd like to run or what my, the best event for my body type would be. Right. You know, I was, you know, a decade before I even realized what those types of things, but yeah, the, the, I'd say the root of it was, um, just trying to figure out, you know, how fast I can do it and push myself to do it as fast as I possibly could. Right. Right. Cause part of me says like, if you were really good at it, you're probably a natural, right? I mean, to, 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 
yeah. to be as successful as you've been, you have to have some natural ability and a good body type for it. Right. And obviously a lot of work ethic, stuff like that. But mm-hmm. if you were naturally good at it, you didn't really have a metric, right? You didn't competing against anybody. You had your own time metric. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, cause you could see where you're really good at it and that's exciting. Like, Hey, I beat all these other kids. Look at this, mm-hmm. but it, you're, you're, you're kind of competing against yourself. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even at that young age, when, before I was competing against other people, it was, yeah, I was competing against myself. Yeah. And, um, it was basically competing against the clock. I'd say I didn't really compare it so much to myself. It was just the clock, yeah. you know, just see how, you know, see how fast I could do it. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, a little bit, even when I was like younger in the, you know, seventh, eighth grade track, you're right. I was pretty gifted. I am pretty gifted at what I do. And it mm-hmm. you know, combined with, really wanting to do it i ended up getting pretty good at it at a pretty young age and i guess pretty good is a loose term for running in this area it's not the most densely you know talent pool of runners but in the area i was pretty good and even when i started competing in like structured environments like middle school track and field it was a lot of times i was still ended up just racing myself sure i would uh, just race the clock looking to beat myself from the last time I did it because most of the time I was already ahead of the competition yeah. from other schools or my own team at right. that middle school age. Okay. And I was, I was going to ask that. And again, humility aside, right? Like you were winning all those races right away in middle school. And then yeah. oh, how did that look? Yeah. Well, seventh grade, you know, my first like structured season was a little, um, there was a learning curve to it. And well, kind of what I noticed was that the biggest jump that like, you know, little like younger kids get when they're like you know growing up is like the biggest jump is between seventh and eighth grade so at first the eighth graders were uh they would they'd beat up on me a little bit but you know throughout that season um i would you know i would hold my own i guess but Mm -hmm. when i was in eighth grade uh at the middle school level i yeah i was i was kind of untouchable around Mm -hmm. here but you know, like I said, it's not the greatest accomplishment to be the best eighth grade middle school runner. Sure. But you know, at the time, yeah, it was, it was like, I was competing against myself and the records that, you know, Houghton middle school had, or the, the conference had for middle school track. Um, so yeah, at the time when I was younger, there was a lot of times I was just competing with myself. Yeah. Right. Uh, there's so many ways I could go here, but I'll try to, eventually I want to ask like, what does it mean to you now? Right. Cause that's the end of the thing, but I like to focus on the trajectory and I also want to focus on like, yeah, it, what you enjoy about running has to have changed through the years, mm-hmm. but I'll, I'll get into that eventually. So I, if you don't mind just focusing on the trajectory side of things, you were doing pretty well in middle school. It must be right the way through, right? I mean, to get where you're at high school, you were probably setting some records at Houghton and stuff like that too, before you yeah. got to Michigan tech. Yeah. Um, so I, I didn't run cross country until my junior year okay. of high school. Uh, I played, um, I played football, yeah. uh, just JV football, you know, like, like every freshman in high school does. Mm-hmm. And, um, but my freshman sophomore year, I ran track as well as well as my junior and senior year. But, um, I started to really excel in uh, track and field my sophomore year. That was when, you know, you'd compete against all the schools in the UP. And, um, it was the end of my sophomore year where my, uh, assistant coach, Eric Johnson, he said to me, um, he said at the last meet of the year, he said, Hey, where do you want to run in college? And it was at that point I had, hadn't even crossed my mind hmm. that running at the collegiate level was even a possibility because, mm-hmm. you know, here I thought, you know, at the time I knew that like UP track and field cross country really wasn't the most competitive, unlike the national scale because mm-hmm. I thought, oh, you know, bigger cities downstate would just blow me out of the water. And, you know, to an, to an extent that's true. But he saw in me what I didn't see myself at the time was the potential that I had. Sure. Because I had, you know, what did I know? I was 16. And then that was when I made the decision to run cross country and, like, quit football and, like, okay, time to focus at this. And my junior, senior year cross country was, you know, started out pretty successful because I was, you know, older among most of the high school kids at the time. Was, mm-hmm. And my senior year, I ended up winning um, – the up cross country finals by like a hundredth of a second or something <laughs> it was it was really close and then my senior track season i uh i was undefeated the entire year Unreal. so and then yeah about midway through my senior year of high school i committed to, to committed to michigan tech and um it was at that time that was probably the inflection point in my career where basically everything changed about, you know, what I knew about myself was, um, 
basically a, a fraction of you know what I what I knew I was what I ended up being capable of doing. Sure, so it was probably about yeah 2016, my sophomore year, where I kind of was like okay, this is this is what I want to do. Okay. So that was the, the inflection point, but you just said the inflection point there that you're talking your sophomore year or even in your senior year once you, well, okay. Um, so my sophomore year, that's when I decided to, uh, that I wanted to like pursue this like, yep. and try to make, try to be as best as I possibly can with it. Mm-hmm. And then my right into my freshman year of college was when I realized that like, okay, wow, there's actually a lot more depth to this sport and I have a lot more potential than I could even at, at the time dreamt of having so mm-hmm. um so yeah maybe there's two inflection points in sure. my career so sophomore year is when you're like hey i'm gonna take this seriously and then senior into freshman year of college is when you're like hey this is this is it like yeah. to an immense level yeah. what do you mean though you're talking about you didn't know what you were capable of you're talking on a, on a mental level on a physical level on a diet like all the above what's yeah so um to put it in like a to a numerical term um i was more of like a like a uh, kind of like sprinter in high school, you know, where I focused on the 200 and the 400, Okay. which was, you know, I had the capability of running the longer distances, you know, up to the 5k as I excelled in cross country and going into my freshman year of college, I really had no idea what events I was going to do. And then my old coach, he said like, yeah, we're going to make you a, we're going to make you a miler. Hmm. We're going to make you focus on the 1500, you know, metric mile in college. And in, uh, in high school I would run, five days a week, sometimes even four. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd maybe run 20 to 25 miles a week. That's on the high end, which compared to my freshman year where I would run six to seven days a week and get up where near up upwards of 60 to 60 to 70 miles as a freshman. And you, that was something and that I had no thought of even doing as a, as a high schooler right. you know, training, training as much as I, as I did my freshman year training year round, you know, r- running in the winter was, you know, that was unheard of. Cause I played hockey in high school. I didn't, yeah. you know, I always thought you run when you're in season and mm-hmm. that was a, that was a complete just game changer for me. And you know, the, the progression I had from my senior year of high school to my freshman year of college was, uh, you know, I shocked myself and I, uh, you know, continued it through my third, second, third through fifth year of, of college too. But, um, just be yeah, training as much as we did in college compared to high school, um, focusing more on, yeah, the nutritional side. Mm-hmm. I mean, most of what I ate in high school was what my mom cooked, sure. which was fine. Like it was good. Mm-hmm. It checked all the boxes, but you know, then having it to do it yourself, you know, cause I didn't live at home, um, my freshman year and then focusing more on sleep. Cause you know, there's a lot, you got more morning practices, you know, you got, you got to wake up early to, to leave for meets, you know, things like that. There's a, there's a lot more variables that you need to control mm-hmm. and being taught to do those things. And the importance of them was, you know, another one of those eye openers to like, okay, there's, there's a lot you can do to, to get better. And honestly, I'd say the, the true obsession of the sport kind of came with, you know, look, analyzing all those different variables, you know, like your training, your sleep, your nutrition, your recovery, you know, all those things, you know, just became obsessed with them because, you know, on a, just on a base level, like doing all those things properly are all going to make you a better runner in Mm -hmm. your own ways. And, you know, just kind of became obsessed with doing all of those things as good as I possibly could have. Yeah. And those habits have, you know, just stayed with me all through college. You know, I'm now fifth year, so I've kept with those for the last four years. Right. Right. No, I can see that for sure. Like if you're taking it to that extreme of a level, why wouldn't you take care of every variable that you can? Right. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious, do you have like uh, classmates or teammates who kind of neglect that side of things? There's yeah. gotta be some varying degrees of how serious people take that. Right. Yeah. On, on our team through the, uh, you know, the progression of, you know, cause effectively the entire team has cycled through since I've been here cause sure. I was a freshman and now I'm a fifth year. It, it's a whole new group of guys, but throughout the people that I've seen, there has been, quite the spread of commitment levels to mm-hmm. being, you know, successful in this sport. Mm-hmm. So, you know, some people see it more of more as a, uh, you know, a community, like a friend network. Whereas I see it as, um, a, an opportunity to, you know, maximize myself as a runner, 
mm-hmm. before I see it as a friend network. But, sure. You know, evidently it ends up being both for me. Right. But yeah, you're definitely right. There's there's a lot of some guys, you know, sleep five hours, six hours a night, don't really pay attention to what they eat that much, and don't take you know skimp out on you know morning runs sometimes. You know, it's not like it's a detrimental kind of thing. Like everybody mm-hmm. has their tough days, but you know being as good as you can on those things on a day in and day out basis are, you know, what make you, what make you as uh, good as you can be. For sure. So, but you know, yeah, there's definitely some, some people that don't take it as seriously as others, but there's also some people on the squad that, you know, probably take it more seriously than I do. You sure. Know, they've, they've got better, uh, better habits, I guess. Mm-hmm. But, uh, at the end of the day, like I think I'm doing as about as good of a job as I can. For sure. Right. No, there's a pretty, uh, mix of how people approach life right i mean mm-hmm. you've got like john daly who's a golfer and says i don't care about any of it to tom brady who's like i want to know what macronutrients are in everything i eat i don't know that that's true but yeah in a, in a sense right right um and that's kind of what you get into right you're following mm-hmm. your your i'm assuming you're following that kind of stuff like well, how much protein and this and that and the whole bit or what are you what are you approaching from that side of things yeah to an extent um so right now in the fall when we're, we're training for a 10 K in cross country. Um, that's our, you know, regional and national championships distance. So I'm a, I train a little bit differently in this fall than I do in the spring, but, uh, right now I'm running anywhere between like 80 to 90 miles a week, which is, you know, quite a bit. And the most important thing for me and most distance runners is just eating enough, Mm -hmm. you know, cause we'll sometimes we'll, we'll probably eat as much as, you know, football players do just because we're burning so many calories while we're running. Right. So the most important thing to me is just eating enough. And the next step is making sure the food that you're eating is the right stuff. And, yeah. you know, I don't pay attention to it as so much where I'm like, you know, counting my carbs, my protein, but mostly just because I've have good enough habits, habits established mm-hmm. where I can just fall back on them. Sure. But you know, yeah, I, I make, make note of like, okay, you know, this meal's got this many carbs or this much protein. Yeah. I, I've got those numbers kind of just buried in my head that mm-hmm. just kind of guide the decisions that I make. I don't actively think about them. Sure. But yeah. So the food and the sleep, that's the, those are the things that I probably, those are the habits that I have that are really good, but yeah. I still have to pay attention to the, to the numbers to an extent. Sure. Yeah. Sure. You've been doing it long enough where you kind of get into a rhythm, mm-hmm. right? You kind of know what to look for or what to expect. Yeah. And yeah. E- each season that goes by, you know, there's a, the off season kind of throws a curveball into it and, you know, let yourself relax a little bit and your habits kind of just go out the window. You know, that like every, I always joke because every year when the cross country season ends, I, I get sick and, you know, people might say like, oh, it's just because like the cold's going around. Like, no, it's not. It's mm-hmm. because like when I'm not training anymore and I don't need to my body doesn't need to be in like tip top shape. Like I'll stay up till like three in the morning, you know, cause, cause yeah, I can, you know, right. there's, there's no, I guess, direct repercussions to it other than getting sick. But at that point, like I, I don't really care that much. Right. So, um, but yeah, then once the season starts, you know, developing the, the routine, you know, the, the habits is like, that's, that's, uh, that's key to, to being successful. And they, they say that, um, it's a saying that goes around that when you getting better, in a sport, this goes for any sport is like they say, getting better is boring. Mm-hmm. Be as boring as possible because, you know, the uh, the process in which you get better isn't very exciting. You know, it's doing the same thing day in and day out. It's doing the boring things. It's going to sleep at ten o'clock. It's, you know, eating the meal that isn't fun kind mm-hmm. of thing. And but doing those things is what, you know, pays off in the long run. So the moments that are fun are really fun. Right, right. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at Breakwater Federal Credit Union in Houghton, Michigan. Banking with a credit union is ideal because there are less service fees and lower loan interest rates than a regular bank. Plus, they are local and staffed by our family and friends. New members can use the coupon code OBSESSED when they come to open an account and receive $50 in their account. This coupon code expires March 31st, 2023. If you're looking for a financial institution that puts you and your financial health first, be sure to check out Breakwater Federal Credit Union. Forrester Research interviewed 206 senior technology leaders in major organizations responsible for software development sourcing. 63% said their software development service partners do not have a full understanding of their end customer. If you're dead serious about moving faster and getting more done, Zeratech Software Development can help you move forward with confidence. 
Let the team at Zeratech Software Development help solve your problems with mobile, web, and back-end solutions. As they align with their clients, they use a proven method to understand the scope of the problem and help demystify the steps to make it go away. They will deliver the software solution you need, and they do it with the integrity that you'd expect from a family-owned business in the heartland of America. Schedule a call with the team at Zeratech today at zeratech.com. That's X-E-R-A-T-E-C.com. And what about two, I feel like I'm even just throwing questions at you from a technical level, from more being a unknowledgeable runner. Mm-hmm. I, I don't even run much myself, right? But I'm just saying, just not knowing much about it. So I feel like a cliche, and you probably have your opinion on this, is that like running is bad for you. You hurt your knees. You're going to be injury prone and stuff like that. What's your take on that? So, um, you know, I'd, I might have a different take on it when I'm when I'm 50. Okay. You know, if maybe, maybe I'll have some side effects from it, but... Um, yeah, running in itself is, it's a really good exercise, like for your cardiovascular system, you know, like your lungs, your heart, you know, just making sure everything's working, mm-hmm. working good in your chest. But from a physiological standpoint, um, yeah, I can see why it's tough. You know, it's tough on the knees. It's tough on the ankles. You know, just your muscles are aching sometimes. Like I, I feel it, like I get achy all the time, mm-hmm. but, uh, part of what we do as you know competitive runners which is what i can only assume is neglected by most just recreational runners is like the injury prevention and like the the strength side of things Mm -hmm. you know we're we're in the weight room twice a week contrary to popular belief i'd imagine you know like it's you know we're in the weight room to to get stronger as well as you know uh prevent injuries you know we're not in there like you know bench pressing and squatting like sure big weights like like other teams are we're in there to you know strengthen the muscles that we use when we run when when we run so that when we use them as much as we do like they can handle it yeah and whereas the difference between what we do and the recreational runner is that running is just itself like it might just be like okay i'm gonna go for a run and you know the next day my knees hurt well very well could be true because you're neglecting a lot of the other things that you know goes along with running was you know the strength the stretching the recovery there's you know there's a there's a thousand different moving parts Mm -hmm. when it comes to running and getting them all moving and pulling in the same direction is that's the hard part sure and and how much actually prep or or what kind of condition is that person that went on that run and their knees hurt the next day right they may not have ran for three years exactly yeah yeah um, I wonder what you'd find like a universal truth on people like you that take it very seriously it's a huge part of your life and you're working on the strength, the stretching, whatever else, like what's their rate of injury versus, uh, I, I don't know what, even, even a conventional runner or even somebody who doesn't exercise at all. Yeah. You know, I'd, I'd honestly probably say that we get injured more okay. than, uh, than the, just a common man because sure. we, we like to call it like one more, when we're, uh, training and in our high volume phase for the, for the longer, you know, 10 K events, you know, when, when I'm running, you know, 90 miles a week, 85, 90 miles a week for, mm-hmm. you know, eight weeks or something like that, you know, give or take a little bit. But uh, sometimes we call it like the razor's edge, you know, life on the razor's edge because you're effectively tethering the line of how much your body can handle for a long time. And if you go over it, well, you're, you're likely going to get an overuse injury. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that sounds daunting, but it could just be something like, oh, you know, like, your IT band is bugging and you got to take it easy for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. However, it could stretch as far as, you know, getting a, like a stress fracture or something like I, I fractured my third and fourth metatarsals on my left foot a couple of years ago as a result of an overuse injury, just cause my body couldn't handle the load. Sure. But you know, in just like a regular person running non-competitively, you know, they might get, you know, sore knees or something, but I'd say that we still probably, uh, get injured more just sheerly based off of how much we run. Sure. Right. And to compete at that level, right. You're going to be pushing the envelope on every mm-hmm. aspect, right. Typically yeah, you have to. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Have you read uh, a born to run? No, but I, I know what you're referring to the bare yeah. feet uh-huh. type. What's your take on that for like barefoot running? And not, not necessarily barefoot running, like minimalistic shoes versus the highly cushioned shoes. Like I don't, what, what do you use? What's your take on that? What's so your- yeah, that's definitely like a pretty hot topic in like the world of running right now. There's certainly a movement more towards like super thick, just cushy shoes that coddle your feet and, 
and you know save the knees and there's you know it's i'm surprised it's taken that long for a shoe like that to just become as popular as it is because mm-hmm. i probably do about most of my longer high mileage run in thicker shoes like okay. uh like the brand hoka i'm not sure if you've heard of them but i, I don't do, think so oh. i do most of my you know longer runs in those and those are like really thick and they're designed to be you know just thick shoes that's that's their brand but you know 10 15 years ago when the kind of the stereotypical running shoe was super flat and hmm. designed to feel like a sock on your foot it you know the, the shoes that are most commonly ran in now would just be so out of place then sure but at the same time there's also um, a need for the minimalistic shoes because like i said before um, the bigger shoes like they're going to coddle your feet and since the last couple of years when i've been running in the thicker shoes my feet are nowhere near as strong as they were mm-hmm. and there's certain things that uh there's certain drawbacks to it you know like um you can be more susceptible to like you know lower lower leg injuries i guess if you're coddling your feet so much and you suddenly go down to a racing spike or something but we generally try to compensate for it with you know that's what we do in the weight room like we'll strengthen our feet strengthen our ankles sure. things like that because primarily what the thicker shoes are designed for is they're to um minimalize the load that your body that your body takes but your you know your heart still receives the same amount of stimulus but your body has a little bit less mm-hmm. so it's kind of like a give or take on the sure the thick versus minimal shoes but i guess i'm kind of indifferent on it okay uh, it's almost like, you know, how I'm feeling on the day sure. is what I'll go with. I, uh, I read that book and yeah, you're ready to throw away all your shoes and go run barefoot for a while. Like it's, it's pretty inspiring hearing about these guys, but again, it's from a, of course you can make any angle sound good. And it sounds like it's a hot button topic where you could argue both sides mm-hmm. and have each side be equally as strong almost. Right. Yeah. There's, you know, there, I'm sure both sides can throw throw data at you saying oh no this is the way to go or this is the way to go but mm-hmm. in reality it's like it it doesn't really matter sure you know it's if, if you're trying to run as fast as you can like you're gonna do you're gonna put on your feet each day that allows you to get the most out of each day sure and sometimes that's a minimalistic shoe like i do on certain days and other times it's the thickest shoe you have because hmm. your legs are just bombed from the day before sure huh so you will switch it up from meat to meat even you just whatever you're feeling that day uh, or what my racing shoes are generally stay the same okay. but as far as like day-to-day goes like in my current shoe rotation like uh you know because I, I run six days a week and there's not necessarily a different different shoe for each day but um so six days a week and uh, i run nine times a week so mm-hmm. i'll double on tuesday thursday friday and each run each day has its own kind of like the recovery day shoe is going to be thicker the intensity day shoe is going to be for me like slim you know just because they're lighter it's mm-hmm. gonna feel more natural on your foot and then there's just the regular daily cruiser that's it's just somewhere in the middle kind mm-hmm. of thing so yeah i really have every end of the spectrum like i have the thickest shoe one of the thickest shoes on the market right now and then i also have um like training flats that are maybe a couple couple millimeters thick you know there's hardly anything to them sure so there's certainly a spread and like i said before like picking the shoe that's going to work best for you on the day is what i do yeah right and then what about like the uh what's what's your relationship with the world of running like history like do you read a lot about it do you get inspired by the guys in the 50s that did this or things like that do you is that a part of your world so i yeah i've i followed like the the history of it a little bit um i know you know a bit of the lore like i know like the big the big name runners from the you know the 20th century like i know you know roger bannister the first guy to break four minutes in the mile you know steve prefontaine um alberto salazar like all the all like the the big names from years ago but those so much don't like serve as paving the way for me it's mm-hmm. almost just cool like oh, okay you know this is what they did back then but you know what are the guys doing now sure like that's more of what i'm focused on like i follow the like the current sport of running closer than any other sport out mm-hmm. there like i like i watch other sports like i watch football hockey uh baseball now and then but uh running is the sport that i'll follow the closest like i'll know all the all the pros you know what 
what clubs they run for, who they train with, you know, the races coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's generally what I'm more into as sure. opposed to the, uh, you know, the older, the older style of running. And it's cool to, you know, learn about and just, you know, see how things were back then. But it's not, it's not super inspiring to me. It's kind of just, uh, you know, oh, that's what they did back then. Well, sure. this is what we do now kind of thing. Cause it is quite a bit different. You know, mm-hmm. there's certainly differences in the way things were in the, even the nineties to, to now. Right. Right. Huh. So what about for current days though? Like, you, cause you may, or I, I should ask first right now in the college level, what are you mainly running? What events are you running? So, uh, right now we're in cross country season and, um, for the regular, regular season meets, we run 8k. Um, it's like 4.97 miles. So basically a five mile. And then for our postseason meets, the regional meet, and assuming we go to the national championships, those are both 10K, so six and a quarter. But I don't really get to choose those because cross country, there's only one race. Hmm. But on the track, I race primarily the 800 and the 1500 with the focus on the 15. Um, with a, Occasionally, I'll dabble in the 5K and do, do, that, do that event, but primarily the, the 1500. Okay. And, and, and I guess you were asking about like old things and old records and old changes, but for current days, do you follow like in the 1500, which is primarily track versus contra- cross country? I guess if we can remove this if it's whatever, but I'm just curious, do you like you, like the epitome of what you really focus on is at the 1500 in the track yep. world? Okay. That's yeah, that's, that's the, that's what I follow the closest and what I train the most towards. Okay. And is there like a, um, four minute mile equivalent of the 1500 right now that people are chasing? Yeah. Uh, yeah, me included. Yeah. Um, so the, you know, the full mile, the 1,609 meters, that race really isn't run that often anymore. Okay. Um, for like NCAA indoor track and field, they'll do it, but that's really it, you know, for outdoor track and field world championships, uh, Olympics, it's always the 1500. And I think the accepted, like the, like the worldly, you know, uh, the IAAF, that's like the International Athletics Association Foundation or something like that. I don't mm-hmm. know what it stands for, but they accepted a 1500 meter conversion to a four minute mile. It's 342.2. Okay. And um, yeah, we're, that's that's next on my agenda is, sure. is to hit that because this past spring I ran 343.8, which is about a 401 mile, 401 low. And yeah, that's kind of back to the whole few few questions ago about the uh, uh, world being open to me about what my potential is. If somebody were to say to me as a sophomore in high school that you would be that I would be um, capable of breaking four minutes in the mile, and you know when you're in college or shortly after college, I would have probably laughed and like, oh, you know, nice joke. But yeah, we're we're there, and that's that's my goal for the next for the next up for the upcoming track season is to to run an equivalent of a sub four minute mile right um because like i said i won't have any opportunities to run a full mile while we're in season just because they're all 1500s but for simplicity simplicity's sake um 342.2 is the is the goal of what i'm is what i'm looking to do sure with with myself in this event and i'm very confident that I can do it. It's just going to take the the right race, the right, the right training. And I think all of those things can line up within the next season coming up. Mm-hmm. How many people have done that? Do you know, is there a number like, is it in the thousands or, um, you know, yeah, it's, it's certainly nowhere near as elusive as it used to be. It's okay. probably in the thousands because, you know, for, uh, for division two track and field, um, you know, maybe one or two guys will get it a year. Okay. Um, it's not, uh, maybe more, maybe five, but, uh, it's not, um, the norm in division two division one. You'll get a lot. Um, it's a much more densely, uh, talented sport. They'll get, there'll be a lot more. And then, you know, for a professional to do it, you know, those guys might do, they might do it in practice. If, if they're doing, you know, mile repeats or something, they might close sub four or something Mm. like that. So, um, like when Roger Bannister, the first guy to do it back in the fifties or sixties, I think, you know, it was like, he was the first one to do it ever. And then, cause I think the old lore was like, if you break four minutes in the mile, like you'll die, yeah. like your, body, your body can't handle it. And obviously it's not the case. And 
it became like everybody's doing it. Like his training partner did it the next week. And now there's just tons of people that do it across the world. But, you know, I don't necessarily see it as less impressive as it used to be because, you know, it's still a four minute mile. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, that's still what it is. It's, it's still the, you know, the dream that I've been chasing for the last couple of years. And yeah, whereas there's a lot more people that do it now than then it's still a very small amount of people can do it. And I want to be one of them. Yeah, for sure. And you talked about your relationship. Like when you were a sophomore in high school, there's no way you'd have believed that you could run a four minute mile, but what, what times were you running back then? So, um, in high school we did the 1600 now, yep. which is technically still a little bit short of the full mile. Sure. It's kind of confusing, but, um, I was, I think my high school PR was maybe four thirty six or four thirty seven. So, yeah. you know, shaving those 37 seconds off is a tough task to do because, mm-hmm. you know, as fast as you go shaving off a whole second is, you know, it's, it's hard. It, sure. it gets harder and harder, but you know, at the time I was like, Oh, I have no idea. You know, maybe like in the four twenties, like I thought maybe I could do if that's what I continued. And then my freshman year of college, I ran an equivalent of like a four eleven. So I shaved like 25 seconds off my freshman year. I was like, oh, okay, really? all right. Like we're getting kind of good at this. And then just one thing led to another and had a bit of a breakout season this past spring. And, um, got it down to about a 401 and yeah, here we are knocking on the door of sub four. Right. Right. Cause I'm curious about the relationship. Like you're doing some impressive things, right? Competing on, I mean, on Nash at nationals with D2, right. Mm-hmm. Competing on the four minute mile, like right on the edge or like the equivalent, right. For the yeah. 1500, uh-huh. um, of like, what's the relationship between natural ability, but also thinking about how many other sophomore kids were in your shoes that didn't put in the same work and the same diligence and the same persistence. And they never even realized that that was achievable. I used to think like competing at your level or competing at like a pro level, say in hockey or something like that was just undoable. Right. Mm -hmm. And you take these kids who like, they're not that far apart from their competition at that time. Yeah. But is it like something superhuman about them or is it more back on, and, and I'm, I guess I'm curious to get your perspective. Is it more back on like the straight, just hard work and diligence and persistence and uh, becoming obsessed about it that just slowly, slowly, slowly takes you there? Yeah, that's, I mean, I I have no real way of knowing, you know, how much of where I'm at now comes from how hard I work versus how much talent I have. Sure. But I do know that I was told my freshman year of college when I, I was, before I started competing that I wasn't real developed yet, that my coach told me I had a real high ceiling, hmm. meaning that uh, he saw like a lot of potential in me that, like I said, I didn't see in myself at the time. Mm-hmm. And you know how high that ceiling is is unknown, mm-hmm. or was unknown at the time. But there's compared to um, you know other people that were similar abilities of that I was at my freshman year. You know I've generally developed like a bit more than they have. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, you know at nearly the top of division two right now. And, um, I'd say that where I'm at is likely due to more of how much talent I was, you know, blessed with versus how much work I've done. But that's not to say that I haven't worked just as hard as, you know, everybody else around me. Sure. You know, you can only work so hard. There's only so much time and effort you can put into something before you're you know, working too hard mm-hmm. and it starts working against you. Um, I'd, I'd say that I'm doing just about everything as I can, as close to as right as I can. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, running the, doing the proper training, you know, getting the proper nutrition, recovery, all those things. Like I'm doing those just as much as the next guy. But, you know, the difference between me where I am now versus where they are is uh, just how much talent you have. And, that's the only thing that you can't control. And oftentimes what's, what can be frustrating about this sport is because, you know, I see myself like, okay, like I want to break four minutes in a mile, but I also know that in order to be competitive on the, even the U S national scale, if I was to compete in a mile, I would need to be, you know, low three fifties, like three fifty one, three fifty two, which is, you know, I'm realistic. I know that the likelihood of me getting there is next to none, but that can be, I mean, whereas that can be discouraging, mm-hmm. it's also, I'm aware that there's nothing I can do. You know, those guys, you know, they, maybe they work harder than me, but the percentage that they work harder than me is, you know, less significant as how much more talent they were, they were given to work with. Sure. And 
that's just, I mean, I guess I could also say that's part of the beauty of the sport is because, you know, you're just, you're, you're maximizing yourself. Right. And that's effectively, effectively what I've been trying to do this whole time. Like I'm not trying to be a, a world champion or anything like that. I mean, if I was, if I had the talent to do so, then yeah, I would be, I'd be trying to do that too, but I'm just trying to, you know, be as fast as I possibly can given the cards that I've been dealt. And, um, looks like that's getting me, you know, right around the four minute mile mark. Whereas hmm. other people, it might be, you know, 420 or 355. It's just a matter of, you know, the cards you're dealt. Yeah, for sure. Did you, uh, what's, what's a, like a, like a textbook peak, uh, age for a runner in your spot for, uh, for the middle distance guys, uh, you know, the 1500 or the mile or the, <clears throat> or the 5k, um, around like 24 24 25 okay. is generally i think the the range that you know the male will peak um so i've, I've got a few years to go yet assuming mm-hmm. i you know continue to train at a high level and you know put myself in a position to run quick but for the longer races you know like the 10k half marathon marathon you know you got the i think the current uh olympic champion in the marathon right now is like 38 hmm. so there's it, it depends on the event that you're running. Sure. But for, for what I'm trying to do, I've got about, you know, three to five years left before I'm going to start regressing in, in this event. But that's also three, five years of like opportunity that I've still got to, you know, keep getting better. Yeah, for sure. And also a few, few things there. It makes me think of when you were a sophomore, you never believed you'd even be approaching the four minute mile and here you are right mm-hmm. so right now i could tell you're like hey i'm never going to be approaching 351 but you never know right or do you i don't know i don't know how concrete that is you know you're right i i guess i don't know yeah. um and i am however compared to my thought process now from what would that be like seven years ago yeah. when i was a sophomore is you know i understand how to train a lot more sure whereas when i was a sophomore like i said i was running 20 miles a week mm-hmm. and it's not like you know, when I'm 25 years old, I can run 140 miles a week and I be as good as I, you know, be even better than I am now. You know, I understand like the kind of the philosophy behind training and things like that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I guess the future is unknown, Sure. but I relatively know where my ceiling's at and you know, how much I go under four minutes is unknown. Maybe I do approach 355. Mm -hmm. That would be, you know, if I did, I would, I would, uh, be shocking my current self. Sure. You know, I don't want to say that I'm doubting, you know, I'm never going to go in knowing that I'm limited, but I also just, you know, I can be realistic about it and right. have it not affect my performance. So yeah. So I really don't know, but I have a general idea of where my ceilings at. Sure. Sure. Yeah. It just makes me think, have you, man, there was a guy on the, uh, Tim Ferriss podcast I ever listened to. He had trained with a bunch of people, like a bunch of number ones, like Michael Jordan, mm-hmm. Tiger Woods, whatever. Maybe not even those guys, but either way, like the elite of the elite, like yeah. 25 of these guys, whatever else he'd have them do. Yeah. And a couple examples he talked about was one of the guys, uh, and I, after the, after this, I want to hear how much you dive into like the mental side of things, right? But one of the guys was uh, a speed skater and he would told the guy, he whatever he ran this middle distance hill and, and, and to sum it up, a little bit i guess at one point in the in the deal his sister had just passed away going mm-hmm. to these olympics he wasn't going to do it but he's he i'll just do it anyway and right before then he ended up falling like fell over and, and horrible right uh and it messed with him pretty badly psychologically psychologically like he mm-hmm. afterwards he was nowhere near the speed skater he was like he was really good at this before eventually somehow they figured out he needed to switch distances and he said no i'm a sprinter i can't I can't do these long distances. I can only do these middle distances, whatever it might be. Um, and he had him write on a notebook, like every day, I love the 3,500, whatever the distance was, this longer distance. Yeah. Are you familiar with the story at all? Yeah, I know. Okay. Uh, I love the 3,500. He had him write that down on a notebook every day for like 30 days or 45 days. He's like, no, I'm not doing it. I hate it. At the end of this 30 days, however long he had to do it, he came back and he's like, I love the 3,500 and okay. he did it. Yeah. And then they had the same thing, the equivalent of the four minute mile, whatever it was for that. And he said, Nope, there's no way you can't do it. And the guy had him write down a notebook every day, whatever the time was 359, but sure. for this event, 2258 yeah. or whatever it was, uh-huh. wrote it down on a notebook every day. And sure enough, that guy was the guy that broke that untouchable time on that deal. Mm-hmm. So I'm just wondering, is there, is there a thing where you could apply the same deal? Like you could write, I, I don't even know exactly the exact mechanisms, but you could write 359 or 341, I guess that would be for you, right? Or 341.5 or whatever sure. the time is. Yeah. 
like some visualization or how much of that have you dove into? Oh like uh, yeah. Mental. You kind of just hit the nail on the head right there. It's, it's all visual visualization. Yeah. You know, um, I guess, you know, you could do the same approach where you write it down somewhere, mm-hmm. but for me, you know, we do goal setting every year before the season starts, you know, we write down what the goals are going to be. And, you know, I already know what mine are going to be mm-hmm. for the track season, even though I'm in the middle of cross country right now. Sure. Um, but yeah, knowing what the goal is, getting it on paper right away, which for me is going to be 342.2. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just getting it out there because, I mean, it's it's intimidating. Like, it's it's daunting for me. But the technique is to get it on paper. And now it's out there. Like, it's out there now. You can't hide from it anymore. And then, you know, almost you kind of just want to forget about it. Sure. And, you know, just get the training done, get the work done you know, do what you need to do, do the boring stuff. And then generally what I do is, you know, nearing race time a few weeks before I'll start to think about it again. I'll start to visualize, you know, what the race is going to feel like, what it's going to be like after the first lap, second lap, Mm -hmm. third lap, and how I'm going to drop the hammer at the end. Um, so the visualization technique is what I do. Well, you Mm -hmm. know, there'll be, uh, I mean, I don't know how, uh, helpful it actually is, but you know, there'll be nights where like, I'll be like, I don't want to say stressed, but you know, laying in bed you know thinking about it like the week of the race and like you know my hands will start getting sweaty like i'll just start getting nervous for it and you know but i'll be thinking about it and like i'll go through every basically every situation that can that can happen you know and or how i'm gonna feel at this point and so the the idea behind it is when you know you step on the line like you're ready for anything yeah you, know, you, you you've you've gone through all the different scenarios that can happen because uh, we are assistant head coach right now, Robbie young. He's really big with like uh, the mental side of training. And one of the things that he teaches us is that, you know, your body doesn't, or your brain doesn't know the difference between actually doing something and visualizing it hmm. and, or thinking about it so that, you know, the same thing applies is when, you know, you're visualizing what's going to happen, um, to the point where you can be prepared for anything when you step on the line, like there's nothing that you're that you haven't done already. You know, mm-hmm. your brain has already done it. It's already anticipated and uh, gone through these things. So yeah, there's a certainly a great deal of mental preparation and training that goes in, that goes into, you know, what we do. Mm-hmm. How much of that is like, uh, regimented? I mean, are you like literally like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to run a race in my head. I'm going to be in second place and I need to put the hammer down. Okay. Now I'm going to be in third place. Okay. Now I'm going to, I guess, is it that technical or what does it look like? No, it's, it's, it's totally unstructured, okay. you know, <laughs> and like, there'll be times where, you know, like it always starts the same, you know, you're on the start line yeah. and then you fast forward through the first lap because sure. the first lap's always the same, you know, you're just jostling for position and blah, blah, blah. You're getting in there and you know, anybody can be leading after the first lap kind of thing. So it's not incredibly important, but you know important enough where you got to think about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. But, you know, after that, it's in my head, it's always a free for all. Like, you know, where, where are we going to go next? You know, mm-hmm. like, am I going to fall? Am I going to, am I going to be in last? Am I, am I going to go full lactic after the second lap and just be, you know, hurting the rest of the race and mm-hmm. take last? Or am I going to win? You know, like there's, it's effectively like, I'm just, you know, gambling with myself every night when I think about it, you know, like, all right, where, where is this, uh, where's it going to take me this time? You know, yeah this time doing this race, am I going to win? Am I going to take third, second, first? Like, I don't, you know, who knows? Like, I can't tell you how many times, like in my head, I've been laying, laying there trying to sleep. And, uh, I run through that race in my head and like, I win the 1500 meter national championship. Like I've done, I've probably won that race in my head a hundred times. <laughs> and, you know, I've got one more shot to do it this coming spring. And, you know, we're going to, let's see if we can do it for real now, you know? Yeah. So, um, but Contrastly, this past spring when I went there, um, you know, there was like, I was prepared for it cause I'd, you know, gone through it a bunch of times in my head and you know, it didn't end exactly how I wanted, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the preliminary round and the finals, like I was prepared for, even though I'd never been there before, you know? Sure. Yeah. What kind of a zone do you get into? Cause like I, I picture it to be like, I do the same thing. Like I played high school sports, right? Football, basketball. Yeah. And you, you the same deal. I mean, even on a, it's obviously on a, I would assume on a much lesser level compared to what you're at on that large scale. Right. Either way, not that we have to rank it, but either way, you're going through the same thing. You're visualizing it, whatever else, some nerves, butterflies, whatever else. Usually it's like 
three seconds in you're in the zone let's go okay this is real now and maybe yeah. it's the visualization that got you there yeah but either way i'm curious is that how you are too like you're like off the starting blocks now this is real and we're in or does it take a bit to get like in your zone of the of the actual race um no usually when the gun goes off like i'm i'm in it yeah. like you know all the nerves go away and it's 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 just time to go like yeah. it just feels natural but uh before the race starts like i have a hard time like kind of depending on the size of the race you know some races are more important than others and, mm -hmm. you know you get more nervous for but sometimes like i've got a hard time like controlling it and like i'll get like stressed out and you know I, i'm getting better at mm -hmm. like controlling it but i remember before the national championships like my legs were like they almost felt like they were numb mm -hmm. like before the like when i was doing my warm-up for it because i was just so nervous and I, you know when your legs when your legs don't feel good before a race starts it's mm -hmm you know almost just just compounds on you know how nervous you are because like, sure. oh, you know your legs don't feel good and you know you're just you're gonna do bad you know it's easy to let those negative thoughts creep in mm -hmm. which you know part of why we train mentally is to keep them out but you know usually you can just resort back to the to the basics you know like oh i've done the training i've done the work like you're you're fine mm -hmm. you know just trust it but effectively all i need to do is just get on the start line and the gun needs to go off and i'll be fine sure. it's just getting up to that is you know stressful sometimes right but right. yeah once once the gun goes off i'm good to go there's, yeah there's no problems you're good to go but do you what what kind of a state do you get in like i've never been in that mode right i mean i've ran middle school track or something like that but like do you get into uh yeah i guess i'm curious do you do you like almost like where are your thoughts and you're running through the race what kind of a state are you in what do you what's 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 happening oh man uh you know, I, I honestly, sometimes I don't even know how to answer that because it's like, sometimes like the race just happens and like all of a sudden it's done. Yeah. But most of the time, what, when, when I'm, when I'm racing to run as fast as I can versus a championship race where you're just trying to win, like there's two, those are the two types of races, but in a championship race, it's all about positioning. Like, I'm just like, okay, like how far into the race are we? Like, and where am I? Am mm -hmm. I at the front? Am I at the back? Like, do I need to move up? I'm able to stay calm enough to answer those questions until the fatigue sets in in the last lap. And like, you, there's not much you can do other mm -hmm. than just go as fast as you can. But in a race where I'm trying to run as fast as I can and make it hurt as much as possible. Um, what I do then is just check in with myself as much as I can to, give myself the confidence that you know are oh, you're actually not feeling that bad right now like you have you've got 600 meters left like you feel good you mm -hmm. know and being able to like check in with yourself and slow things down a little bit well metaphorically slow mm -hmm. things down and uh you know check in with yourself and uh alleviate any of the stressors like you know because the last thing you want in a race is to feel fatigued fatigue setting in early because then it's generally not going to end great for you yeah. but if you can delay that for as long as you can you'll be in a position to race as probably as best as you're gonna sure sure and you have a coach you said that is focusing a lot on the mental side yeah you know i think yeah he he's got a master's degree in like positive coaching or like the mental side of coaching or something okay. and you know that's not all he does you know sure. he writes most of our training but he also you know complements it with like mental mental training like we'll do like uh probably like 30 to 45 minutes a week like it's kind of like a class almost but it's like a small group discussion where we'll talk about like you know the different mental sides of training you know like strategies we use on race day or you know the day after the race or the day before the race you know those kind of things or you know how we're gonna uh just operate our mindset throughout the week to put ourselves in the best position as possible to race as best as possible um so yeah we do a fair amount of the mental training okay uh, and that's your head coach your head tracking field uh, coach or, or uh, i think they're like i think they're co-head coaches or he's a assistant head coach or something okay uh, christina she's the head coach and then robbie he's the assistant head coach okay but he does all of the uh the mental the mental training okay and how long has he been here has he, he been here your whole no career? so our coaching my coaching uh staff has been like a bit of a bumpy road um for the first two years of my career i had uh, a one coach and he was he was the only one and then he ended up leaving after the spring of my sophomore year okay that was right when uh the covid set in 
So the fall of my junior year, that was when Christina came in as the head coach. And she was the head coach for the fall and spring of my junior year, just her. And then the fall of my fourth year, Robbie came in to help her to help her out because we were just understaffed. Like we just needed more help. And yeah. so this is Robbie's second fall. Mm-hmm. And so he's been here for a little over a year. Okay. Uh, so he helps out with, I suppose your training track year round, but he helps out the cross country team as well. Or yeah. So the Christina and Robbie are co-head coaches for cross country and track and field. Okay. So they work with the sprinters, throwers, jumpers, as sure. well as the distance runners. Yeah. Okay. Cause I'm just super curious. Like a lot of what this podcast, I'm talking about people's passions and obsessions, but I'm super interested. Like, like I said, before we got on is the person themselves. Right. Yeah. Which makes me super interested. And I've always been this way about psychology and how that plays into just life and relationships and everything. But for you now in this sport, in this context, mm-hmm. I'm super curious, like to me, the secret, like from the outside looking in is the mental side of things. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's obviously staying diligent on everything else, uh-huh. but it is the mental side of things. And you're probably aware of that, or is that the case or what's your thoughts on that? And I guess I'm curious again, what I'm sure, I'm sure you're a coach, Robbie, Robbie, right. Mm. I'm sure he's working on all this stuff with you, but like, yeah. what does that look like? Is it visualization? Is it again, writing it down the number? I don't, I don't know what it looks like, but to me, that's the secret from the outside looking in. I, I'm just curious. Your thoughts yeah. On that. Just, I mean, to be, being uh, successful, it's you won't be successful if like you're not mentally driven. Mm-hmm. Like if you're not driven to be good at you know something, like you won't be. Right. And like, and it's hard to do what we do. You know the training, it it sucks. Yeah. Like it's not it's not fun all the time. In fact, a lot of the times like it's like oh like why do I do this? This is horrible. Um, like there'll be days in the winter time when we're running and it's <laughs> when we when we do our long runs outside in the winter and it's like ten degrees and it's it's, a, it's snowing, it's cold, it's it's just it's not a recipe for a good time yeah but you know it's it's uh staying focused through all of that and it's not it's not just the weather either you know if you get hurt you know if you stay focused through that you know get through it and get to the other side or if uh you're having a hard day it's easy to let you know the external factors get to you but it's you know the mental side of just staying focused and seeing the big picture is the i guess that's the key that I see on sure. the mental side to being successful. Like if you're not focused and you don't see the big picture, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll crumble. You'll let, a, you'll let uh, the rain on a cold day keep you from running, or you'll let an injury that you get just set you back and despise the sport. Mm-hmm. And, you know, don't get me wrong. Things aren't perfect. Like there'll be days where I just finish a run and just be like, Oh man, like, why do I do this? Like, mm-hmm. you know, like my feet hurt, you know, I'm cold. I, you know, sacrifice like two hours of doing school to to go to practice today and now i gotta do school like it's you know it's easy to let those things build up and just beat you down but if you're focused if you if you're mentally focused like you'll be fine Mm -hmm. no i'll be following along it'll be exciting to see the spring right that'll be the big deal right the through into the through the whole season right your goal to beat that time the 342 342 two is that right uh, i think i think that's what it is yeah. okay i'm going off and, and but yeah just following that but then eventually the end goal of the 1500 at the national scale right that'll be a fun thing to follow along yeah with. that's that's the plan yeah. yeah i'm curious about your something i've talked about quite a bit on here so uh, my passion right the mule deer hunting side of things has got me into backpack hunting yeah which has got me into the introduced to the world of through hiking like uh-huh. the hike in the pacific crest trail or the appalachian trail something yeah. like that i guess two-part question maybe I, I should save that but i'm curious like what's next right you talked a little bit about competitive racing outside of the college arena yeah uh, but like would you ever consider like ultra running stuff like that what, what are so, your thoughts there yeah i've got a few like aspirations to do, you know, with, with myself when, before, like I get in before I'm beyond my prime. Mm -hmm. So yeah, what I'm going to try to do next year, this next summer, when I graduate college is I'm going to continue to train, um, unless something goes completely haywire, Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm going to continue to train like I would be as hard as I am now in college, but like, I'll be, you know, working and, you know, I'll be out of the area likely, but you know, I'll be hopefully try to get like a, a group of guys to train with, you know, join some club somewhere where I can still, you know, train with other guys. Cause it's a lot easier to do that than alone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, I, I'm not ready to give up the track yet. And like, I still want to explore other events too. Like, you know, once I achieve my goal in the mile, um, I don't know if I'll be done with it or just, you know, leave or just leave it and move on to something else. But, you know, I'd like to explore the 5k and the 10k on the track a little bit. You know, I've got some goals set for myself that I want to 
achieve in my career. And then certainly at some point I'd like to explore the marathon Mm -hmm. and, you know, train competitively, competitively for a marathon. But as far as uh, like ultra running goes, I think like the road marathon is about as far as I'd go. There's, there's a certainly a spectrum of like runners that I've met that uh, enjoy the trails and like the the ultra longer trail running things. Um, I don't want to say like I'm on like the polar end of it, but I'm, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't sound super appealing to me just right now, you know, like the longer like trail ultra running because, um, you know, it's, it just doesn't like appeal to me that much. Who Mm -hmm. knows what'll happen when I'm in my thirties and, you know, like I'm beyond my prime and, you know, I just generate a different, uh, passion in the sport. Who knows? But as of now, like, you know, not ready to give up on the track when I'm done with college, which is probably the most common theme is when, when you graduate college, it's harder to find meets to get into. But uh, I don't want to, you know, sacrifice like the my most competitive years, you know, from the track. But mm-hmm. then eventually I'll move on to the roads and uh, see what kind of road road races, what road races I can do, and you know where I can be most competitive there. Sure, sure. So maybe down the road, like you said, the longer the five k, the ten k, the marathon, and mm-hmm. I get it. Like you said, I mean the the ultra on the trail is like as far on the other end of what you're doing right now, mm-hmm. short of like running a hundred meter dash. Right. But yeah. I mean, you're pretty much right on the far end of you're like in a very controlled environment. Mm-hmm. You're, whereas that's just kind of like, yeah, it's just, it's a, d- a different world for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, but I'm curious too, <clears throat> again, talking about the thought of through hiking, I think about it all the time. I want to go hike the Pacific crest trail. Mm-hmm. I probably won't till I'm 60, right? Yeah. Just life, right. Busy kids, stuff like that. But, mm-hmm. um, and again, that's just a way different thing, but I'm talking like from a mental level or whatever else. Does that intrigue you at all? Like to go hike for four months straight? Yeah. You know, I've, I've thought about stuff like that before and it does sound cool, yeah. you know, just to like explore like, you know, the other, you know, like the deeper parts of your brain that, you know, maybe you've never been to before. Mm-hmm. But like you said, it takes a lot of time mm-hmm. and you know, I'm 22 years old and I don't necessarily have like three months to spare to go hiking. But mm-hmm. you know, when I've got more time, on my hands who knows yeah like that could be something i would that could be something to do you know i'd have no idea of knowing i'm not i guess i'm not against the idea of like ultra marathons or like you know long hikes but it's just uh certainly not on my uh near the top of my agenda right now no right it can't be right like we said you have to have everything focused into what you're doing right i mean you're at you're at that mode for sure but yeah no, i'm just curious for you long term like you said i get that like for sure it's probably uh 30 euros old and on before mm. you can consider something like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or I could see like, Hey, once you run, finally get to the point where track is over, right? Like at some point that will come, whatever the yeah. age that is. Although not, you could be, you're going, I mean, hopefully coach. Right. But I'm saying yeah. for you personally, your own personal running that's over. Maybe like I always, I like to think about this as like that, that Appalachian trail is like your break out of that. You know what I mean? Like your mm-hmm. way to like have the, sever the ties and like find out where you're going next, stuff like mm-hmm. that. Right. But yeah, who knows? Yeah. Right. Anyways, Clayton, I appreciate it. Anything else we should have covered? Anything we didn't talk about that um, you wish we would have in the world of running, things like that? No. Like, I, I think think we got it, you know. And I mean, we could talk about this for like for yeah. hours on hours. <laughs> right. But, yeah, for, for a 30,000-foot level, like, I think you got a pretty good scoop of, yeah. like, uh, of where I'm at and like how I operate. Yeah. And right or wrong, I like to just look, take an approach from like, hey, I'm the outside looking in. Like, what do I visualize? What do I see? The things that you go through? Uh-huh. And what are the, some, some of the questions I have? Again, just through some of the exposure that I have as well. Um, but I, I'm super curious to see how this will go for you. But again, I'm, I'm really curious about that mental side of things. It's easy for me to say from the outside looking in. Like, you know what you have to work on. You know where uh-huh. what's important. You know diet, exercise, this, that, whatever else. And it might sound like, hey, man, I've done all I can on the mental side, but I'm just super curious how much of that could come into play from like, uh, again, taking that to the next level to get to that next level, even though you're already there. I mean, you're probably already set up to get to where you want to be, but mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I'll be following along. And then I'll be curious to say after curious to hear what you have to have to say at the end of it all, what it was or what, what it took to get you there or whatever it might be. Yeah. We should do a follow up after yeah. it all. Uh, yeah, sounds good. Yeah, I, I would do it for sure. Awesome. Well, Clayton, appreciate it. Thanks for hopping on. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah. Hey, guys. Thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have and you feel so inclined, share this podcast with your friends, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen, and give us some feedback with a review. Until next time, thank you. <laughs>